it's time for the weekly Q&A that we call Splunk Talk. Episode number 23 for Friday, November 19th, 2010. Correlation, compliance, and of course, cranberries. Hey, it's Thanksgiving week. It's time for another episode of Splunk Talk, so let's get rolling. Ah, we're back. Some of us. You know, this week it's going to be a repeat performance. Hopefully more educational and entertaining, as we try to do every episode. Our good friend Jeff Blake. Where are you in the world, Jeff Blake? Um, Jeff. I think he, <laughs> there he is. He's uh, on. He's there he is. Outer space. There he is. A, where is he? Wait, is Nimish here? Oh. No, no. his birds. His birds are here. Nimish's birds here. are here. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Blake. Blake's laugh is here. Um, neither Again? of the people are here. Um, oh. Jeff is still. I think last time I thought he was like summoning a mountain, which turned out to be. Less than accurate. This week, I believe he is hunting like wolverines or something in uh, the Upper Peninsula. Yeah, I heard he shot like 20 of them. I think there was some shooting, some hatcheting, and even some bare hand, uh, hand-to-hand combat with with wolverines. Or it could have been vampires. I can't remember. Knowing Blake, it's probably like a tree. Yeah. Or he's uh, in the woods just contemplating which is probably more likely to be the case. Or p- picking a bouquet of poison ivy or something. So we got Maverick is in the house. How What's is up? it going? How's it going? It's, uh, it's going good. Um, I'm excited about vacation next week. Actually, vacation I'm not taking, but just the holiday for Thanksgiving. Uh, and and I just occurred to me that we have listeners that may not know what Thanksgiving is, so maybe we can talk about it later or something. Perhaps. Me, I'm hanging on by a thread. I'm just really? hanging on by a thread. That's your always how you'd say it, right? Hanging on by a thread. Well, that's my new thing that I'm any time anybody asks, I'm just hanging on by a thread. That's your thing. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I that's did. Cool. I did talk to Jeff today, and I told him to use the phrase "above or below my pay grade" at least once today. <laughs> so he's going to try to do that. Somehow that came up in conversation. I said, "You got to use that when you go buy gas or something. Just use it, anyways." All right. Uh, dispensing with the silliness, uh, we have, of course, a. Uh, that's what we're here for. Uh, we got a couple of questions, got some interesting stuff on the docket for today. You want me to go first or you go first? What are you talking about? You know, the interesting stuff on the docket, right? It's like the way that the order that it comes in, right? Do you go first on, are you the first on the docket or am I the first on the docket? According to this fabulous collaboration tool we use called Google Wave, yes, we are, I think, the only people in the world who have figured out how to use Google Wave. It says my name first. And unless you change it right now while I'm talking, I have a question, which will probably end up causing a, a discussion about, uh, this because you know it's really kind of a loaded question, but it says, and I quote: "When Splunk says it can help me correlate my events, what does that really mean?" Yo, 
<laughs> How can I correlate events within Splunk? Really? Yo. So t- let's talk a little bit about correlation, Maverick. What What do you got? Well, um, that's that's interesting that it's phrased that way because I would I, I usually usually when I talk with customers, they have a certain way that they want they certain things in mind they want to correlate. But this is seems more a little more generic. So maybe this yeah I, I agree. Maybe a discussion is more happily do here because um, there are different it can mean different things and you can leverage the the technology for for doing this type of uh type of type of approach correlation and I, events I, uh, I feel like correlation was invented by an analyst like not the concept probably. but it's use in it because probably probably yeah there's a lot of times people don't even know what they really want other than just a button that says here's what your problem is which is fairly in my opinion kind of elusive but you know i'm sure you could probably come up with some interesting scenarios where you could do actual correlation in splunk yeah well yeah of course we can and 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 i guess the the main the main one i always kind of point out to folks that are maybe they're using it maybe they're not using it yet and they're just asking because i get this question sometimes like i said in these different contexts you know the fact that you can just type in a keyword you know any keyword and have it you know go across all of all of the events from your hosts and your devices that right there is already a correlation by the keyword that you type in or the phrase or the beginning of a phrase and then a wild card or the fact that you can filter things in and out and say I don't I want to whitelist down to certain kinds of things that and it's all correlating by time primarily in that case so just the core version of product is already correlating so in that respect it meets the requirement of what correlation would be but i think uh the question you're asking here is you know may also lead to other types of uh other types of interesting uses of the of the like the, uh, the actual language the actual search language itself like uh a stats command like we've talked about this before i think like stats command with like a list uh parameter to list out in you know you can list whatever you want so I usually list underscore raw, right, to get to basically correlate to events raw by a certain other field like host or by source type or by IP address, source IP address, email address, username, those kind of things. Yeah, because like IP address, for example, <clears throat> might show up in a few places. Like when I get an IP address, when I hit the web server, when I do a few other things, and you know, as Maverick is talking about. If you do stats, which is like a statistics command in Splunk, but you can use lists where you say, you know, make a list of each event and you can do some other things and group it by a certain field. And it works very similar to the transaction command, although it's a little faster. And you end up with, you might end up with all the events that have that IP address in and all the clusters of events that have the same IP address, which is kind of a neat way because a lot of times in correlation what you're really looking for is like what happened around a certain time or what did this user do or what was the cause of a problem which could be a number of things yeah and speaking of transaction command i i it has different parameters also that are a little more specific for correlating by the transactional nature of events uh, especially if you have different log files or different um uh, pieces of information that are kind of inter- interlaced or intermingled by time because you have many processes writing to the same file and they're all like interlaced in there, um, you know, uh, overlapping at times and things like that. You can use transaction to group 
by a particular field and then you can also there's other parameters which again i think we've talked about this before but it's but it's from a correlation perspective you can if you know that your transaction or your events that you want to pull together start and end with a certain phrase like one event says i'm starting a job and then you know there's 15 jobs starting around the same time and they're all writing their 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 status all in the same log and then they all say at the end completed job two completed job three completed job four all like that it could be all out of order and pretty much impossible to do by hand anyway so splunk transaction will let you do a starts with and ends with phrase so it'll group them nicely together and correlate based on the transactional nature of those jobs and the statuses that are being written you know by the applications in uh you know i'm sitting here thinking about this and you know what does the word correlate actually mean so you look it up on the web and it says have a mutual relationship or connection in which one thing affects or depends on another and uh you know some people think correlation really is just like this magic bullet to figure out the root cause of a problem and yes things are connected but you know, I said to somebody last week, like Apache, WebSphere, and MySQL work awesome when nothing is installed in them. But once you install your apps into them, you create your database, you link all those things together, you're now creating something that no one has ever done in the world. No one has ever made your application, unless it happens to be WordPress. Um, <laughs> and so your application is now custom. So you have this relationship that you can uh, represent and the log events often have the bits that have some of that info. And you know, as Maverick was talking about this idea of transaction, where you can say, you know, does this little bit of data exist here, 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 and here in the Java log, in the web log, in the database log? And can I bring them all together so I can see how things affect each other? or how things are related. And there's a lot of different ways. Everything from when you look for an error, did you know you can click on the timestamp? Not in the not in the cute little green bar above, but next to the event, you could click the timestamp and do a custom time range. And then you can hit star. Or maybe you're doing tagging and you want to say tag colon colon host colon colon production. And you see everything that happens around that time. And time correlation is kind of one of the cool things you sort of get for free in Splunk. I think it's often to understand really what the heck people mean and expect and what tools to use. So. Yeah, speaking of time, uh, let's talk about that just a little bit. Um, some folks I'm surprised don't know that they can actually click on the um, on the green bars, like you're saying, and click and drag over a time range. So like uh, I was helping somebody one time and there was a evident, very clearly obvious spike in certain events. Like whenever the, you know, because the green bar at the top, the graph that shows at the top when you're searching on a type of a source type or a host or whatever your search is, bring back the results. It shows how many are happening within these little discrete buckets. And usually if you see a large column of green showing up, it means there's a, you know, two, you can easily see there's two, three, four, five, ten times as many in that one minute time period or or hour, whatever time range you're searching on, you can see it spiking up. You can actually click before and after, during and after that time range right in the um, in the graph with your mouse, and then you can hit zoom in, and it actually then creates a custom time range for that and zooms you in, and you might see more, like visually see the correlation of that spike really happening within that hour, then you, you select, uh, click and drag and select again, zoom in again. You can zoom down 
to a few seconds or down to a second to, to the, exactly the one you want. So sometimes that alone, um, you may not be aware you can like zoom in like that. And what it's doing is it's, it's updating the time range to be a custom time, which is another thing that I find that people don't realize they can actually do is in the drop down over on the right side that says all time or four hours ago, or you can pick real time. You can actually go to the very bottom of that, of that uh, list and pick custom time and put in a start and end time exactly the range you want. So if you, even if you know, like something happened at a certain period of time and you want to, you know, maybe look five, 10 minutes before that thing occurred, like let's say you have a monitoring tool that says something just blew up, just stopped, right? You get alerted on that. You go into Splunk and pick that time range and maybe, you know, the end time is whenever you got the alert and then five, 10 minutes or an hour before. And then you do like what you're saying, put star within that custom time range and correlate by everything or use a boolean or between two source types this source type a or source type b and you'll get back only those two types of sources if you want to narrow down same thing with host this host or that host or that host narrow down and whitelist down to only the ones you want um and then when you know once you find the answer then um then you can save that as a bookmark and it becomes a uh an instant correlation and maybe you save it as an event type to keep it around so you can use those event types in the future to help you correlate by those two or three hosts or source types again anytime you need to. So that's just the features of the product that maybe folks don't aren't aware of or they don't know that they can leverage in that way to kind of remember the types of correlations they do that are custom to them and what they're used to in their job role. You know, one of the things that um, Maverick and I were talking about prior to this episode while I was getting Starbucks and then I couldn't find the keys for my car and I'm looking all around and I went back into Starbucks and it turned out they were actually in my car. Those of you who know me, <laughs> now when I say they were in my car, they were actually in the ignition. The car was not on, however. Those of you who know me, the freak with ADD shouldn't be that surprised. Anyways... Okay, um, uh, we were talking about going a little bit deeper. So a lot of times, you know, when you do a search in Splunk uh, and you find something, you want to see what else happened around that time. But outside of the search that you're doing, okay, so how can I do a search that then returns that event and then maybe other events, but other stuff that was happening around that time, probably a little bit more deeper than just clicking on a time range, doing that all in one search. Can you do that? If so, how do, how do you do that? So, yeah, so that's actually not that straightforward, but it, once you kind of figure it out, it's pretty easy. So, so the feature uh, that we have called sub search, which is basically putting a square bracket around a search uh that will run first as like a child search, a sub search or a child search. And when the results come back from that search, you can nest, use those results to nest into the parent search that's surrounding it. So it'll search again a second time using anything that's returned by that sub search. So in this case, to do what you're saying, uh, the trick is, is to do a sub search to find the particular target event that you want to start with or kind of center everything on and then bring back the start and end time range to then nest into the parent search and then search for that and or in this case would be a search for that phrase or star or other particular things that are maybe surrounding it 
And then the, the start and end time that get returned is, is, you know, hopefully you calculate that in the sub search to be like maybe five minutes before and after. So you get a nice 10 minute window around where your target search, your sub search is the one that's right in the middle of that time range. And then you get before and after. So you can kind of look at everything else that's happening around that. Or maybe 10 minutes before and the end time is when that when your target uh, event actually occurred. So you can do it like that, too. And uh, this is all documented, actually, in Splunk Answers. Um, how to do this actually, but that's the idea. You can actually, what can you, you can search for the word surrounding, you can go to Splunk Answers and search for surrounding. You can also search for um, outer search, outer space search. And I believe you'll find a couple answers where people have actually done this. And if you're interested in the sub searches, because they're pretty powerful. Another example of a sub search is, you know, um, really simple, Really simple. Um, if I have five failed logons and then a successful logon happens by that certain user, well, I need to find all the failed logons, count the fact that there are more than five, grab the username, and then, well, sort of search again on looking for anything that's successful by that username. That's a really concrete example of how sub search is used and if you go to splunk.com and you click on services i think it is which is where the education section of is Mm -hmm. if you go to services and you click on education there's an old self-guided tutorial that's there on sub searches and they use like there's two different scenarios it's if I click on education and on the education page, uh, down there somewhere. Yeah, it's called self-guided correlation with subsearches. It's a cool little thing. It's like 10 minutes. We haven't done one of those in a while, but it like teaches you how to use subsearch in a way. Because when you look in the docs, it's going to seem kind of, kind of a, I don't know, esoteric. So, um, but it's real powerful. Hey, hey, I got a, I got a question for you. So if I have, so from a correlation perspective, if I have um, different source types that have different field names, but the same values, right? And I want to, and I want to correlate by the, by the values that are the same. And, you know, how would I do that? Do you, maybe I'll let you try to take a stab. I think you know how to do this because we've talked about this before, I think. And if not, I will see if I can take a stab at it. Um, so here's an approach in Splunk. There's a concept called field aliasing. So, um, let's say for example, I had a field called user underscore ID and, um, in one of my app logs and I had a field called user underscore name in the windows event log. And I had a field called you name in some other log. Um, One of the things you can do is uh, in Splunk, you can rename or alias a field to give, let's say the user underscore name field, the uname field and the user underscore ID field. You can give them your own field name. It's sort of like you're just aliasing those fields. So you can say, I want to create a field alias and it is going to be called my underscore usernames and when you start search on, you know, any source where my underscore usernames equals mwild, 
then you'll actually get back all these other events that really don't have a field called my underscore username, but is already aliased. And it's kind of another cool way that we were talking about on how to sort of bring events together where you might not think it's possible because you do some probably some crazy or statement and just making an alias for fields would be almost just as easy. So, yeah, it's totally easy. That's, that's, a, that's exactly right. Cool. Um, okay. All right. So, th- so, so actually this is a long winded one, but it's very important that we, you understand cause it actually is kind of, it was actually kind of cool when I, when I saw this. Okay. So it says, I am in charge of compliance at my company and I'm also a current customer. So it's, they're already using it. I use Splunk to index my syslog events over port 514, and I, I'm also receiving Windows event logs via Snare agents. In addition to Splunk, I use other various tools to gather and correlate events from other sources, such as desktop workstations, application logs, file changes on disks, and I was wondering how I could leverage Splunk for these things as well. As to pr- prove what is being accessed, who's accessing it, basically what actually is happening so I don't have to manage so many tools for all of this. Thanks. Wow. That's a loaded question. But then again, I thought that's what we were talking about is loaded questions. Um, so my take on this, there's a couple. Uh, usually anytime you're doing compliance, um, everyone loves to do compliance. Just like I'm really excited to do compliance on April 15th, right? Right. Um, <laughs> versus... <laughs> Managing apps that help make you money, but it is what it is. We all got to do what we're supposed to do. And, you know, of course, compliance helps us run our businesses properly so that people know what we're doing. But um, in IT, you know, sometimes we have to, well, collection of logs is often one of the things you need to do for compliance, depending on your line of business. And I noticed this user is using Snare, which I have a personal aversion to, which has nothing to do with the product, it just, um, it, it really only pulls back one type of log, which is the, the Windows event log. And it's also not really nice because it then sends it over syslog. But that's regardless. doesn't really matter. Often people want to collect other things. So you can take and put a forwarder on that node. Yes, a lot of people listening to this call know that. But a lot of people don't that you can put the same copy of Splunk. It's free, by the way. Even if you're a free user, you can use forwarders. You're a free user, you probably don't have compliance issues. But anyways, (laughs) when you put a forwarder on that remote node, you get a lot of um, bang for your buck. Aside from the forwarder being fairly fault tolerant, that was alliteration, forwarders are fairly fault fail-proof, they keep track of what's being indexed. They can sign that data. So for purposes of uh, security, you know it hasn't changed. You can track config files too. How does the config file thing work, Maverick? Uh, well, there's um, well, there's a couple ways. I guess you could also Splunk it like you would any other log file. Um, but what typically what people will do um, is use our FS change input which is you do that in the actually, I think we've talked about this before too. You add that into the inputs.com file to watch your directory for file changes, adds, updates, deletes. Um, and on Windows, I think you can even probably put on auditing and have it generate security events as well and correlate between that and this uh, FS change file, which stands for file system change. So if you look up FS change on smug.com, it talks about how to add that in. And, and our friend Correlation rears its head in compliance as well. 
Um, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Also, there's a good chance that um, sometimes in compliance, you need to capture someone's behavior. If they logged into this machine, if they accessed an application, if they started yeah. a process, and sometimes those logs come in other places like the process logs. Well, there aren't logs. System commands can be run. So forward or using like the Unix app is pretty good because it captures all that. Uh, things like Snare are not going to be able to kick off scripts, and they're certainly not going to be able to pick up all these weird logs like custom app logs that might help show the whole process of what someone's doing. Or a common use for correlation is there better not be any credit card data or social security number data in your logs. And that stuff is not in the Windows event log. It's probably not in the Apache log. It's sitting in some custom app log, which forwarders are really good at moving around. Yeah, I think also being able to track, um, like you said, the behavior of what people are work, you know, doing what they're doing, what they're accessing, uh, like this question's asking about that. That's pretty important. Um, to be able to pipe to a diff command, for example, to look at the difference between two, two different events to see what's changed in them. So in that case, if you were capturing a config file instead of a log file, you could diff between two config files and see what changed. If you, was on, if you had other types of things like on Linux or Unix, you might be capturing, P, capturing PS, uh, uh, periodically capturing PS command, which is the process that are running and it usually shows who's running them. And you can usually correlate by time of when someone's running a, a VI on a file. Right to see who was changing it on Windows, it it would be more like setting up the auditing for the file and caching. So again, we could use the field aliasing we talked about in the other question to maybe alias uh, the who was doing it together into a unified report across everything and be able to show ultimately the uh, the auditor that you uh, have controls around who's changing what, uh, what they're what they're doing, who's accessing things, and you can even um, search. What's the part? Uh, What's the one in Sidesplunk you can search our index? What is it? Um, yeah, there's a couple of indexes that are there, which if you're a user, which if you're not a user, that's interesting. Send me an email and help me understand <laughs> why you're listening, right? Because other than the fact that sometimes it's funny. But there's two indexes that, two indexes, indexes that you might use. One is the underscore internal index. And the underscore internal index is what's in there? All the stuff that's in Splunk's own log directory. And some of the things are, there's a searches log that are what searches are being ran. Um, so you can see or who's logging in and logging out of the Splunk server because half of compliance is proving that you're actually complying. Step one, get the logs and prove you're getting the logs. Step two, prove you're actually looking at the logs or, you know. Uh, if you're interested in what people are doing in your Splunk server, the history, the in audit index underscore audit is also a good place to look because uh, it, you know, it tells you a lot of what's going on. There's an app, or I guess it's called a suite, uh, called Enterprise Security Suite and the PCI Compliance Suite that Splunk uh, sells. It's one of the two apps that the, the company um, actually manufactures with, with some partners. And it has this incident review section in it that uh, allows you to, you know, review events, even in some ways that you can't just out of the box with Splunk. Well, you can do it, but it's sort of this nice little package that's done for you. And, of course, you know, those two apps are really 
not only maintain aimed at security, but our good friend compliance as well. So. Yeah, no, what I always tell people uh, when they're like compl- compliant, responsible for compliance, like customers that are responsible for compliance or, or folks that I'm working with that are thinking about buying Splunk for it, um, I'll tell them that they can create tags and then just call it the tag compliance, right? And tag everything that's a, considered a compliance event with that tag. And then you can search on tag equals compliance and then it automatically whitelists to the sub events, subset of events that you care about. And because a lot of, a lot of the compliance officers I work with, don't really care about troubleshooting or using Splunk for some of the other types of monitoring and things like that. They just want to be able to make sure they can pull back the reports and show the controls around everything. So that's one good way to do it with the tag to kind of correlate, like we're talking about correlation, right, by tag, but just call it compliance or call it PCI or tag, call it HIPAA or SOX or whatever the name of the compliant, COBIT, you know, SAS 70. Just, you can just tailor it to whatever, like anything else, but just in this case, it's, it's only the things that are related to the particular kind of compliance that you're that you're doing. And it's something you don't need an app for. And you can even, if you create a simple dashboard even, where you put the, the searches on there that use those tags, then it automatically generates the entries, like you said, in the underscore audit log. So just by bringing up a dashboard that has all the searches, basically then records at that moment that you've reviewed them, that you've looked at them, and then you've gotten seen the top 10. Um, it'll generate that, and then you can pull a report on the underscore audit log on a different dashboard to show the activity of what everybody's looking at. So you can formalize it and you don't have to have a full-blown app to do it. You can just use some of the more simple dashboarding things we do like you would for anything, troubleshooting or if a developer, when he's looking for exceptions, him or her looking for exceptions in their data, in their their application log, you would just use it to look for the accesses and, and be able to prove that people are actually looking at people and their accessing behaviors. Pretty crafty. Pretty crafty. All righty. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. That was a good set of questions. Uh, reminder. Reminder for everybody. Uh, and we're starting to have more people do this. Email splunktalk at splunk.com um, because it's a good way to get a hold of us. Uh, we're getting close to doing live broadcasts. You know, we do this 11 a.m. Central Time, usually every Friday. So at some point in time, we're going to go live, maybe have a chat room and stuff like that. But as always, you got questions, send them to us. Last thing, you know, we usually do what have we learned this week. Last week, I was talking about browsers and a bunch of other stuff. But I thought in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which is, what's Thanksgiving, Maverick? Yeah, I was going to say, um, there's probably people that don't know what that is, right? Um, so it is our holiday here Wait, in the United States. they need States. to email us. Okay, who are these people in the world that don't know what Thanksgiving is? Well, there might not be. Yeah, they need to, but I'm just... Thank you. Thank you, fake Jeff. No, real Jeff. Uh, it, it is our holiday next uh, next week. Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, and it's where it's uh, we are thankful for uh, being in the United States, I guess, or just uh, the kind of the founding of the country or the beginning uh, when Columbus landed and... Um, you know, and realized that this wasn't India that he landed on. Uh, there was a celebration. Really? Because I thought it had nothing to do with Columbus, and it was, in fact, the pilgrims who came over a hundred and so years after him, and they met with Indians, which you were correct at that say, which, in fact, were not Indians. And I'm thinking, how did Columbus not know where in the world he was? Okay, yeah, maps sucked back then. He didn't have GPS. Did he like go it, to India ever? 
Because I don't know. <laughs> I, unless, I mean, I don't know. I, you'd think there'd be some difference, but anyway, anyway, the I point is, is that we have thir- turkey and thing and uh, cranberries sauce, and we just have different things that are kind of traditional here around that time. And then we get to meet with family and friends, and we get to tell each other what we're thankful for. That's really the. Uh, and we don't have to work on the Thursday, and we also get the next Friday after that off as well. Oh, that's been canceled. <laughs> Not Thanksgiving, but just the Friday after. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot to give you the memo, but um, <laughs> uh, I am thank- what a- I'm thankful for a lot of things. Um, obviously, my life and my health and my kids and all that, but I'm also thankful for uh, this podcast was cool that... I'm thankful for people who listen to the podcast and click on stuff and email us. I'm also thankful for Splunk, the developers. Um, the Splunk developers are pretty awesome. Not only are they really good at building a kick-ass product, but they often anticipate what I'm going to want prior to wanting it. And here's an example. Uh, I was doing this dashboard for this interop thing that I do. And I go back now and then and do a demo of it. And I always have to go in and type in the time range, like ah, it's October 20th through the 28th. And it just is a hassle for me to go in and keep going back and selecting it. So I sent an email to uh, our support team saying, you know, I really wish there was a way that I could name a time range uh, like Thanksgiving or uh, days that end in Y. or more importantly uh interop which is like a seven day period or you might for example say all days that you get presents on whatever it is (laughs) and i thought that was such a great idea and then of course i get bonked on the head going wild it's already there you can do that in a file called times.conf so now i have a sweet little drop down that says in the custom time range it says interop 2010 new york which was cool so i'm thankful for uh well not only that existing but the splunk developers anticipating my every need so that's cool i'm thankful for all of that too um but in addition i'm probably also thankful for um uh Splunk answers. I'm I'm definitely oh, thankful for. Yeah. Um, it's helped me in my job. It's helped me with my customers. It's helped my customers help themselves. Um, so Splunk uh, answers.splunk.com. We, we we talk about a lot, but that is really uh, changed a lot of things. I think for us uh, as a company and as a community. Um, and I think um, I think I'm also very thankful for. Um, uh, you know the the ability to like to create my own commands if I need to, so I can extend the product. And um, because I've done that in a couple instances to help some folks get exactly what they needed, where they want, they knew exactly how they wanted to manipulate the events, or in this case, a correlation, they might have needed to correlate a certain specific way. And we ha- we, we we can do that. And that, that's just not very many products that I've ever represented or ever worked for a company that had a product that you could actually extend it to that ability. Um, you know, already being awesome as it is, but to extend it even further and make your own command. So I'm just thankful that that we have the ability to do that and we don't have to rely on engineering to, com- although we do, you know, 
like hearing you know, enhancement requests for those things so we can get it into the product so you don't have to create your own. So we are, I'm, you know, I guess I'm thankful for enhancement request uh, process as well. And, you know, the thing to remember, it's like, you know, you can listen to us talking all this crap about Splunk. Um, we do this podcast because we're fans of the product. I mean, sure, we work here and all of that, but we're nerds. And we really like this technology. There's a handful of technologies that you have that you spend time with. And trust me, I mean, Maverick and I and a lot of people at Splunk are sitting here in the middle of the night working on problems for customers or whatever. Not because like those are working hours, but because it's just a really awesome tool set and, you know, yeah, it's not like not like anybody making us do this. It's no, not like marketing it's, going. You know, yeah. we're, this is our own creation, and just because. Yeah, and I and I disagree with nerds because there is a difference between nerds and geeks. Yeah, uh, you know what it is, right? I used to say geeks get it done, but you know what? I think nerds are smarter, honestly, than geeks. Yeah, but nerds. Okay, so the difference is. So well, you might be right, but nerds are typically they know a lot of stuff. They're very smart about a lot of stuff that nobody cares about. <laughs> whereas, well, that's a good point. Whereas yeah, geek, there you go. Geek, geeks are actually know a lot of stuff that nobody knows, but everybody cares about. So I would say I would like to say uh, suggest that we're more geeks than we are nerds. But I don't know. I'll Trust like, maybe- me, dude. I'm a nerd, <laughs> and uh, I'm not. I'm not on a squad. Okay, I'm not on any kind of squad. Anyways, the last thing I'm thankful for, not only the listeners, is Maverick's totally awesome production and music skills. He's a really great musician. Uh, And with that, we end the 23rd episode and, again, are thankful for you. And let's hear some of Maverick's awesomeness. Have a great week. And happy splunking. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. We're out. out Ha, 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 ha.